Good afternoon, or good evening. I guess a lot of you guys are probably wondering, like myself, why in the world I uh, asked to do this. Uh, I asked, I asked uh, Tim several weeks ago, and uh, uh, I felt like the, a real need to, to speak tonight. A lot of things has kind of been working on my heart, but uh, I'm a little bit more paranoid now because just a few weeks ago, uh, uh, Matt Powell, our son, he spoke, and I, and I saw him speak for the first time probably in 18 months, two years, and I go, wow. He, he's really matured, but a lot of people have said, "Well, Matt kind of acts like Kenton here, and he kind of acts Rhonda here." So I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit paranoid. I'm gonna have to hold myself, and so I don't be compared. But uh, the question is, uh, we can go ahead and bring up that first slide if you like. Uh, I know that the, the title has kind of got everybody scratching their head, but uh, post hole digger. Uh, this is something that uh, uh, kind of thought up of, uh, a few weeks ago and was kind of thinking about it. And uh, a lot of you guys probably don't have experience. Probably you guys over here have never seen one, much less used one. I'm talking to Jesse over here. So uh, my daughter, it's kind of a funny little story about tools. Uh, two or three years ago, three years ago, and, uh, to be exact, we was in her backyard. We were uh, working in the, uh, in the landscape, and uh, I saw a snake. And Marie Smalley, I hate snakes. I, I can't help it. But, but Jesse was with me, and, and I kind of jumped back, and I said, Jesse, there's a snake. And she jumps back too. And I said, go get my hole. Well, she takes off running, and she runs about 20 feet and stops. And she goes, well, what's that? <laughs> and I said, oh, gosh, Jesse, don't tell my dad you don't know what a hole is. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, I know she doesn't have a clue what post hole diggers is. But the other thing is that uh, the other reason I'm here is... Uh, uh, something happened to me probably about four weeks ago. Rick, if you want to go to the next slide. My kidney stone. So, uh, yeah, we got a few of these people in this church can relate to this. I'm really proud of that sucker. So, uh, uh, but anyway, it, it caused me some time to reflect. And, and God has kind of got to me, uh, post-hole diggers, kidney stones. He uses a variety of ways to get my attention, and they kind of work. So, uh, but anyway, there's a, there's a story with that, obviously, uh, with this kidney stone. It was the first one I've ever had in my life. I've heard people talk about it, James Hunter and uh, Shannon. But it, it kind of struck me Sunday night, actually, here about four weeks ago when uh, Eric Walker was delivering a message. I was sitting over here, and I kind of felt a little strange. But, you know, Eric was preaching. You always feel strange when Eric is preaching. But I got out and went to the vestibule, and there's Shannon, and I'm going, how's the kidney stone kind of feel? So I'm kind of, kind of getting some information, firsthand information, because it's getting to kind of hurt quite a bad, pretty bad. So she kind of described, and I'm going, oh, I have a fear that it may be that. But before I got to the parking lot, it was really hurting bad. Uh, at that time, Ron and I got into a huge discussion, I'd say almost an argument. She's wanting to take me to Bowling Green Emergency Center. I wanted to go home. So we're fighting. So... Uh, I started the driving. We stopped out on more stuff road, changed drivers, and she still wants me to go to the emergency room. I still want to go home. So finally, I have convinced her to take me home. So now she's driving. She goes up into more stuff, taking a left toward Franklin, and there was like cars two miles coming north and two miles coming south, and she just sits there, and she sits there. And I'm going, oh, my gosh, she'll never get me home. I'm about ready to puke. 
but she finally pulls out and she starts heading toward Franklin. Typically, it takes seven minutes to get there, but it took 15 every bit of, uh, to get me home. But once I arrive home, I start walking up and down the street. She finally coaxed me in the house. She says, you're going to probably pass out there. Nobody will know you're out there, but I'm in the house. Now she's on the phone. So I'm in the bedroom. I'm on the floor. And first I hear, I wonder if Stacy Hunt is working. He's a paramedic in Simpson County. I go, oh, my gosh, I don't want an ambulance in my driveway. So I just leave me alone. And then she leaves from there. She goes, do you all have a, a nurse hotline with your all's insurance policy? Well, we don't, but we do. But Rhonda called Casey, nurse hotline. So this time I'm in the bathroom. I'm just, and I hear them talking. I'm going, oh, gosh, this can't be good. But then again, I didn't hear them anymore. But I was laying in the floor, and all of a sudden I felt some legs begin my back. And I looked down, and she said, well, Casey says, when it hurts worse enough, you'll want to go to the emergency room. And I go, ah. Oh. I go, but you know, Casey's right. In 10 minutes, I said, Rhonda, take me to the emergency room. So, but anyway, so we're going to the Franklin emergency room. This is kind of funny. Rhonda's obeying all the speed limits, 35 mile an hour, but now she's going to be really cautious and she turns on the emergency blinkers. So we're going 30 miles an hour with emergency <laughs> blinkers on. And I'm going, please. Please, you're going to get pulled over because who drives the speed limit with emergency blinkers on? So I finally, I finally talked her out to turn those off. And we, we get in the emergency room. I get back there, and it's, I promise, I've never had this pain before in my life. Um, it, obviously, it's not life-threatening. But um, I was on the gurney of the bed, and I had the hold of the rail. I don't know if it's a birthing rail or whatever, but I was just holding it with both fists. And they finally gave me some strong drugs. I don't know what it was. But all I can tell you, it felt really, really good. And all I remember, I just, I just stretched out. And I, just, I went out for hours. And I remember, and this is kind of where it changed, I remember waking up. And I see Rhonda sitting in a chair, hard, straight-back chair. And I thought, this is different. I'm usually in the straight-back chairs. Rhonda's usually in the hospital with the childbirth and, and whatever. And I'm going, this is a perspective I've never seen before. So I nodded off again. Hours later, I nodded back. And there she was still. I don't know if she ever left her perfect timing. But this was hours, like two days. But I always would see her sitting by my side. And I had a feeling, and I know what my feeling is, my days are really numbered. I knew that. always know it. But, but here is a, a part of my life that I, I realize my days are really numbered on this earth. I know where I'm going, but they're numbered. So uh, if you go to the next slide, Rick, it says that I just really felt compelled to come and share what God has done for me in my life. I kind of want to pick up. It's a, really a testimony, really. So it's kind of God revealed the cost of my sins through Jesus Christ's physical suffering. Uh, painful insults, and the separation from God the Father. This is process has started with me a long ago, and I go back to the post hole digger. So really, it started with me long ago, and I, I really wanted to share the love that he's shown me. And I think it works perfectly with, uh, with uh, the communion we had, the study we've had, and it just seems like it's just kind of echoing, and, and I really wanted to share this God's love.
So if you go to the next slide, I just kind of want to read this passage because this is the uh, background passage. And it was in Luke 23, 32 to 39. It says, Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. Then they came to the place called the Skull. There they executed him along with the criminals, one on the right, the other on the left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And he divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sheered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They'd offer him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was written above him, which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. So really, this is kind of the passage I really wanted to talk about because it it kind of boils down to, if you go to the next slide, um, my postal diggers. These postal diggers were something that uh, uh, really means a lot to me, not that they they, uh, dig post holes, but uh, it it brought back some memories. Um, And I said it kind of goes back a long time, and I just want to make everybody it's duct tape on this so it won't scratch the floor. So I kind of was trying to think ahead. But anyway, this... uh, this, this passage really brought back some memories when God really revealed his love for me. Uh, I was saved at 11 years old. And, uh, and it started at probably my 12 to 17. And I was telling Tim, that age to me is almost a blur. Uh, my mother was sick for those years. And uh, I look at those years, it's a blur. But I look back and really God carried me through all that time. He had me in his hands. But I just graduated high school. That had kind of passed. And it was time for God to reveal his love to, for me, what he had done for me. Was, and it came through these postal diggers. And like I said, I had a kidney stone. But really, it, it's kind of a story about these postal diggers. And I, I just want to show you guys. I put the pictures up there. Isn't that great? So really, from a postal digging perspective is, uh, just kind of give you a, uh, background, I was working on my grandfather's farm that summer, right before college. And uh, everybody else in the free world had a postal digger. And I guess he thought he had one out of me with this. But these are nice postal diggers. They're heavy, and they really dig a nice hole. But anyway, I was putting up a four-strand barbed wire fence uh, that was kind of rotten down, but that was my job for the summer. So I had a lot of time to myself. Now, we talk about GPS and everything, but my grandfather was really smart, and he uh, put a mark right here. You can actually see it. He says, when you get to that level, the hole's dug. It's time to pull it back out and start another one. Isn't that pretty cool? You can have all the GPS and everything these days, but this is my automatic gone too far if I go below that. So, So I remember him scribing that mark, and I was pretty happy. But the one thing about digging a post hole... It's pretty mind-numbing things uh, because your mind really begins to, to go different places. It's just clunk, clunk, and you put over there, and you beat, and you beat, and you beat, and you do this. So you dig a hole. Sometimes if the, without rocks, it may take 30 minutes. But I want to do a fencing thing. So we use cedar posts. Cedar posts are seven foot tall. 
I don't know what they weigh, but I was no Teddy Martin. So uh, they probably weighed 80 to 100 pounds. I don't know. But they were green. So once you got the post uh, hole dug, the butt of the post was at the hole. And being, I would pick it up at the very top. And I would do like this. And you would walk this thing. Then it would pop, drop in the hole. And then you have to get physical with it because you had a straight line. And you would have to turn it. And then you had to start raking some dirt around it, all the way around it. And then you would have a, a stick, and you would start tamping. So it's a, it was a very physical process. So I was doing this, like I said, July. It's very warm. Nobody else except me. Nowhere to go. And I just kept digging these holes. And I noticed, and I'm, thought, and I'm thinking of you, Andrew. Listen to me. Because when I picked the post up, and I'm walking down, and they go, woof them. Boy, I've never heard that noise before. Uh, so I'm digging another hole, put the post, and I'm walking around. Woof. And I'm going, that is the saddest sound, saddest note. I'll say it for you, Andrew. That's the saddest note I've ever, ever heard. And it was time after time. It was the same sad note. And I thought, this must have been what the cross sounded like when it went into the hope with Jesus was on because there's no other sound I had ever heard, even to my life, never heard of anything else. So I kept thinking of that sound when I flipped up the post and it went down. And I think, oh, how sad. And then... Uh, you ever uh, get angry? I'm sure you do. I got angry because I remember, uh, if you go to the next slide, I remember they crucified him. The Romans, they crucified him. I got really, really angry thinking about how could they crucify Jesus? And, and I thought the, Rom- the Romans, were their, they were trained to be killers. They trained to prolong death. They fought all their life. So I was angry. And I know that if you guys ever get angry, especially when you're working, what do you do? You don't slow down. I just went faster. I was angry. And I was just doing this. I was thinking about how they crucified Jesus. That was awful. So I was measly placing all the blame on the Roman soldiers. And if you go to the next slide... Then I was thinking, Roman soldiers, didn't it? Pontius Pilate. He had the chance. So I went from Roman soldiers to Pontius Pilate. Still mad. I said, I can't believe Pontius Pilate, you had your choice. You know, you even said that he wasn't guilty. You kind of passed the buck. You even sent him, and then all of a sudden I went to Herod. He sent him to Herod because Herod was a Jewish leader. He said, let him deal with him because it's from his, your jurisdiction. Right? I was mad at Herod now. I was really angry. Just keep plugging away, plugging away. And then I went to, if you go to the next slide, the Jewish, the Jewish leaders, they said, and the Jewish people. All of a sudden, I just kept going down the road. I always kept placing blame on different groups of people because the Jewish people said, I had a choice. 
Pilate went out and said, this is Passover, you had a choice, we can release a criminal. That was a way out. But the Jewish leader told the people, release Barabbas. He was a thief. He was a murderer. He says, release Barabbas. And then uh, Pilate says, what do you want me to do with your Christ? Crucify. And I'm, I'm just so angry. I'm saying, how can you do this? And if you go to the next slide. So I'm saying, how can you do this to Christ? And you ever have those moments and you know you always have these thoughts in your head. And, but all of a sudden you'll get a, you'll get a, a mind thrown in your head that it's not yours because I was just drinking these post holes, angry, and I said, Jesus, I wish I was there with you. And he said, this is real simple, very plain. So here I am, where would you be and what would you say? And this is one of those things when you hit that, you just stop. Because he struck me right in my heart and he says, where would you be and what would you say? said I would be there. I would say, release Barabbas. You go to the next slide. And I go, oh God, it's me. Several posts down. I go, it's me. Like I said, I was a Christian at age 11. But you have to remember from 12 to 17, Jesus was really carrying me through a lot of issues. But as I'd come out of this, he was really revealing himself to me through the postal diggers. It's crazy, it's amazing sound, but that's what he was doing to me. And I said, oh, God, it's me. Now, I went from hyper, hyper fast to really slow. I just kept thinking, it's really... It was me that nailed him on there as much as the Roman soldiers, as much as the Jewish leader, as much as the Jewish people. It was me that put the nail there as much as anybody else. It's the first time I really, really realized that. First time he really opened up to share that to me. And I would just kept digging these post holes really slow and thinking because now as I dug the hole, I dug the post, everything was ultra slow. I had to pick it up. And every time the post was dropped, the post is now the cross to me because now I have to hold it. And it, it's hot. As you know, the cedar oozes the sap and everything about it was sticky. And I just kept thinking, it was me and I have to do this post. And I'm, oh, glad. I'm glad this post is over. Then I have to start all over. Post after post after post that I dug and I kept thinking, oh, God, it's me. And it finally gets to a point. I dug the post, and I tried to lift, and I couldn't get it up. It rests on my shoulder. And I push, and I push, and it falls. And I fall on the ground. I said, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But then Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. It was a wonderful time that I, that I was out in the field in the middle of nowhere, 
through the postal diggers that God was really sharing his true love that he had for me. At that moment, I was with Christ. He took me there. I had asked, he took me there, and I understand. My sins and everybody's sins was done once years ago, thousands of years ago, 2,000 years ago. It's done. But I really understood the love that he had for me and for everybody else. And then sometimes we just have to slow down to do that. And that's where I really love the physical work. You can go to the next slide. Next slide, it says, uh, I want to read the, it's kind of rereading a few verses that I've already read before. But if you can read the pain of insult, the people stood watching and the rulers even sheared at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. The soldiers also come up and mocked him and they offered him wine vinegar and they said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him that read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself. Insults. So, some 18 years later, my grandfather had passed away. My grandmother had passed away. The farm goes up for auction. We've, I think we've all been there before. Um, so, 18 years later, I've kind of forgot about the experience I had. As you know, the farm, the furniture, hundreds of people, they're all there. And after all the major things are sold, there's always wagons usually behind the house, emptied the, the garages, the barns, the sheds. So as I'm walking around the house, I see the postal deer. And I immediately remember, I remember what God shared with me. And I said, I want it. I want that. Even though it was my grandfather's, he did make the mark. But I want it because it, it gives me a memory of kind of a spiritual marker where he really showed his love for me. But as you know, maybe a lot of you don't know, but uh, we moved away from our hometown right after college. And really, a lot of us, that's not looked upon very well. We left the church that we were attending. It, it's really a, a close group of church. So when you leave, you it almost as you have abandoned your people, you're abandoned your family. So as I walked up to the wagon, I could hear people around, not a whisper, but I could hear a hero whisper. And they said, he's one of the youngest of the Powell children. He looks the oldest. That's a real compliment, isn't it? <laughs> he doesn't have any hair, does he? And I'm going, ah. So it was, I could feel the people just saying different things. He goes to a different church. It doesn't have a mourner's bench. It, it was all of these things that just kept insults. He doesn't come back to and visit his, his family very often. He, he never shows up. It, it was this thing, time after time after time. I kept hearing this stuff. But I tried to ignore, but the insults just kind of kept coming. And that's why I really put in this, in this verse here that says... Here's Jesus on the cross. 
And the people stood there watching, and the rulers sneered at him. Sneer. I had to look it up. I want to know what sneer meant. It means smile or laugh or contort your face. And here's the, the rulers are walking, probably making this gesture. And here's, here's Christ on the cross. And that has to be so painful. And then also the criminals who hung there hurled insults. Hurled was another word I had to look at. Hurl means throw very hard. Insults. Just damaging words right after another. And if you go to the next slide, what makes this more significant is in 1 John 1 through 5. Because in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God, and He was with the God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Here we have somebody with all the creations that always been with God, has made everything. He's on the cross, taking the insults. And we really don't realize how big, we can't even imagine how big God is. I, I'm a real kind of discoverer history, but the Hubble te- telescope, you're, we're looking at the galaxies uh, billions of miles away, billions of light years away, actually. And just to put it in perspective, our Milky Way galaxy is what we live in, is 100,000 light years across. 100,000 light years across. And what that means, light year is 186,000 miles per hour in a second. And 100,000 years, you can cross it. But if you look in the Hubble te- uh, telescope, there are billions of galaxies. And here's God, been with God at all times. And people are doing sneer, hurling insults. I can't even imagine that type of pain that Jesus must feel. We, we talked about the pain and suffering, but the insults. The auctioneer picks up my posto digger. He'll give me five. I'll give you five. Hey, Kenton, what do you need a posto digger for? You, you live in a city. Who give me, I got a five. Who give me ten? I'll give you ten. Do you even know how to hold that thing? Who give me ten? Who give me fifteen? I'll give you fifteen. Oh, you, you got some junk? I'll buy some junk. At, I got some junk at my house you can have. Twenty-five, thirty. Laughter as I kept going up. I was bidding for this posto. It was just every time I made a bid, it was something funny. And funny, and I'm saying, I don't understand. I was at your house as a kid. I played with your kids. You're my family. It was time after time after time. And I finally get to $50, which is more than probably what it's worth. And he said, so. And I'm thinking, you don't understand. God revealed himself to me with this. You don't understand what he has done for me. He helped me show you this love for him. I just come out of five years of blur. He really 
show me everything through these. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they knew not what they do. And it was kind of struck me, 18 years later, he's still teaching me through these postal diggers. And I'm going, God, he never stops teaching. He never takes a moment to not teach you when you're open to it. He will teach you anywhere. I got these postal diggers, but I know in your life he is willing to teach you. Kidney stone, postal diggers, it's all of it. So, if you go to the, is there a next slide? The other thing that uh, I talked about was the separation. Obviously, we just had the, uh, the Lord's Supper, but reading it, it says, Going a little farther, he fell on his face to the ground and prayed, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Going a little further, he fell face down. I can't imagine. I just talked about it. Since the beginning of time, I cannot imagine the hardship that Christ was covering. And the hardship, the separation between him and God when he actually took our sins in. I can't imagine, but he did. If you go to the next slide. It's kind of a a, a simple picture, but he was grieved. But he took our sins because he loved us. I have no, I I really have no way of understanding that grief. I can't imagine being with God forever and actually having a separation. But we're talking about relationships. And my relationship with God has grown over the years but I get to a certain point and I always pull back. And, and probably more than anything, that's probably why I'm really here tonight is a relationship. It's something that kind of come to me, didn't come to me, but it, uh, God revealed to me at a younger age. I was 13. As I told you earlier, uh, I was in this process between 12 and 17 with my mother's sickness, but I was 13 years old. And God healed my mother. And she was very sick. And I was so happy. Uh, We really didn't know if we were going to have her to the next day, but he actually won a a wonderful miracle. She, She totally recovered. She went back to work, and our family was just the way it was before. And as a child, or a young teen, I should say, I went to my bedroom and kneeled beside my bed because I was so happy because I had spent so much time with God through this whole process. But I was praising God. I said, God, thank you so much for healing my mother. Thank you for bringing my family back together. You are so wonderful. I love you. Just give me anything to do and I will do it for you. Anything. And this is where it gets trouble because this is a 35-year-old secret I haven't ever ever shared. 35 years old. Even though I got a secret for 35 years, 
But he said three words. He said, preach my word. I said, oh God, no. I'll do anything except that. No. And I have ran, and I have ran, and I have ran. I get to this point where my relationship with God, I'm traveling down the road, but he always, I always remember the time when I was 13 and the time that he shared. And I said, oh no, not me. I think a lot of us have that. We, we talked about it. Things we don't want to admit. But God has had a, a real true love for me and my family. And I was laying there in the hospital. Like I said, it wasn't life-threatening. I was laying there. And I said, it's God. Preach your word. <laughs> I'm so sorry it's taken me so long. I'm sorry that it's been so, I've been so stubborn. But God's word is so true. I love it. It's the only thing that I can count on. It's the only thing you can count on. I get so much comfort on reading God's word. He loves me. He loves you. And that's really what I wanted to share was his love that he has for all of us. And he's willing to reach you. Our pastor preaches every week. And we're at a major crossroads. And we need all of us supporting that direction and sharing what God's love is for us. Rhonda, I don't know what this means. I'm scared. I really don't. I'm scared, Matt Powell. I am somewhere that I have totally uncomfortable with and I don't know where this is going to lead other I'm not happy unless I am talking about Jesus Christ and it all started there with his revealing so with that that's all I wanted to share tonight Tim so I'll turn it over to you